Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen. This episode sponsored by Cover Media. Cover Media and the World Entertainment News Network deliver licensed content for your website, including breaking lifestyle news, high-res photos, and HD video stories updated 24-7. Learn more at MomentumMediaNetworks.com. On this episode, we welcome Jeff Vidler of Audience Insights, Inc. back to the podcast to talk about the findings of the 2019 Canadian Podcast Listener Study. Broadcast Dialogue caught up with Jeff at the recent Ontario Association of Broadcasters Conference. We cover what Canadians are listening to, why on-demand audio is the next destination for advertisers, and his advice if you're an independent podcaster trying to monetize. I think we should start just by reviewing the methodology, because you did this in two separate waves. That's right. There's really two surveys within that one study. There's a calibration survey that goes out in the end of May that really helps us identify just how many Canadian adults are listening to podcasts, who's listening in terms of demographics, um, regions, all of that information. And then we take that information from 3,000 Canadian adults, an online survey using Maru Voice Canada, and we use that to set the sample frame for the really the main event, which is the study of uh, monthly podcast listeners that goes into field about a month later. So it helps us set the quotas to know that we're getting a representative sample of podcast listeners in Canada. And that's a sample of over 1,500 monthly podcast listeners. So where is podcast listening at in Canada? It's growing. It is incremental. It's um, not something that's sort of growing leaps and bounds year after year. What's growing by leaps and bounds is revenue for podcasting, particularly in the U.S., but it's starting to catch up in Canada as well because finally the market's catching up to listening that was already there. And, and, and even with that incremental growth, you know, just like your stock portfolio, a little bit of growth year after year after year starts to add up to something over time. And it's really hit that point in the last two or three years where podcasting's hit that point of critical mass, where people are talking about podcasting, people are ta- telling their friends about the podcast they listen to, advertisers, advertising agencies want to figure out how to get some of that audience. So yeah, you know, we're up to 26% of adult Canadians who say they listen to podcasts at least once a month. And almost half of all Canadians have listened to a podcast at some point. I want to talk about the idea of what is a podcast because YouTube was included this year and and it's driven by the Joe Rogan experience phenomenon. Can you talk about YouTube as a podcast platform? Well, that was one of the things that we saw in other podcast studies in other countries. They were asking people where they accessed podcasts and a lot of people said they were accessing it on YouTube. So we thought... We want to take a look at that in Canada to see if that was part of what was happening in Canada too. And then get some understanding about what do you mean you're listening or accessing podcasts on YouTube. Um, So we did ask. And again, our study to define a podcast, we actually define it for the respondent as being a digital audio file that you can subscribe to in a feed or download to listen to later or stream on demand. So it's interesting that people, in our study too, the number one place that people said they accessed platform, they accessed 
podcasts on in the past year was YouTube. 43% of podcast listeners uh, said that they had accessed uh, podcasts on, on YouTube in the past year. That was number, you know, number one. Number two being Apple Podcasts, which is always seen as the, sort of the traditional place. That's where, you know, pods came from, iPod and Apple, um, and, and that's where podcast listening has traditionally been. What was interesting to see, though, is that, yes, people do access podcasts on YouTube. Joe Rogan is a great example. Joe Rogan is a multimedia experience, really. I mean, he is a multimedia experience. He was a you know, Fear Factor host. He was he's involved with MMA. He's a stand-up comic. He His podcasts are on YouTube, but they're also digital audio files. They are also people do listen to them as well. Um, and even people who go to YouTube to access a podcast, we ask them, how much of that time are you actually watching the video? How much of that time are you just listening? It's about 50-50 in terms of those people who are going to YouTube to access podcasts. Why do they go there? Because it's their go-to destination for all entertainment. Some of them because they want to watch as well as listen, but also because it's the easiest place to find podcasts I want to listen to. The reality, though, is those people who do access podcasts on YouTube are really quite a different profile from the other podcast listeners. The, the Apple podcast listener, which still, if you talk to the power listeners, the people who are really responsible for most of the listening to podcasts, who spend at least five hours a week listening to podcasts, ask them what platform they access podcasts on most often. They will say Apple Podcasts. YouTube falls down to number two. Spotify is the big surprise. This year, it's kind of bounced up from um, almost nowhere. Spotify really wasn't active in the podcast space a year ago. Um, and they're already come in at very strong number three um, in both accessing the past year and among power listeners in terms of the platform they access most often. But the YouTube, the people who say, I access my podcast most often on YouTube, and it is a percentage, is about 20% of podcast listeners say that that's where they access them most often. It's a very different profile from the typical podcast listener. They aren't as high income. They're more likely to access podcasts on their computer naturally, because that's an easier place to, to see YouTube. And they're either very young, 1824, or on the older end. Um, um, which also kind of makes sense um, in terms of it, YouTube is a big entertainment destination for younger demographics. So what quantifies as a podcast on YouTube? If I go listen to my horoscope on YouTube or I tune into PewDiePie, it, was that a podcast? Um, no, we don't actually get very many of those kinds of podcasts. When we ask people, what podcast do you listen to? Even those people who say that they access um, a podcast on YouTube, those podcasts that they, that they do access are, in fact, usually available as a digital audio file as well. Um, Joe Rogan, I mean, is the number one podcast that's accessed by people who say they go to YouTube most often. 22% of people who say they access um, uh, podcasts on YouTube most often. 22% of those people um, say they've actually listened to Joe Rogan in the past month. Um, Joe Rogan's also popular among people who go to Apple Podcasts for podcasts most often, also for people who go to Spotify most often. He is the number one podcast in general, but a lot of it is a YouTube phenomenon. And there are other podcasts, H3, which is kind of a TMZ in a garage, I would call it. It came in as the number three podcast um, with people who say they access podcasts on YouTube. Uh, and it is a digital audio file, but they quite openly say, we're, at, we're, we're a pod show. They don't really consider themselves a podcast. They, yes, you know, you can listen to it on audio file, but we do visual things as well, right? Um, we think visual first. So, so much of this is really lines blurring 
between what's video, what's audio. And again, the listeners will tell you where they're going to get what they want. And, and part of that reality is that a lot of people will go to YouTube to access podcasts. What else are Canadians listening to? I mean, it's an enormous variety of, of, of different types of podcasts. You know, probably the biggest finding, and we've seen this now, in our, this is our third year for the study, uh, we've seen this in each of the three years that we've done the study, is that the, it's an enormously long tail um, of all media. I mean, we have 1,538 monthly podcast listeners that we talk to. We ask them to, to list up to 10 podcasts they've listened to in the past month. And we came up with 2,411 unique podcasts. Of that 2,411, only 27% had more than one mention. That's a long tail medium. It's, a, it's, a, it's really an intensely personal medium. You have 700,000 to choose from. Um, and this is content that you choose. Um, and, and it's a total lean forward kind of thing, right? So you can pick anything, any hobby, yeah. interest, anybody you're a fan of. Conan O'Brien didn't have a podcast a year ago. He came in on our chart in the top 20 this year because there's a lot of Conan O'Brien fans. Oh, he's got a podcast. I'm going to go and listen to the Conan O'Brien podcast. So Joe Rogan, I know, shows up in the top three across each different platform. Do you want to talk about some of the other, you know, usual suspects that are surfacing in the in the top three most listened to? Um, this American Life, uh, again, in the three years that we've done the study, has always been in the top three. Stuff You Should Know, uh, from How Stuff Works, which is a, a podcast company out of the U.S., um, which was just recently purchased by iHeart um, Media uh, in the U.S., that's also a top three podcast. Uh, and it's interesting, those guys actually put out a magazine called Mental Floss, which was a trivia magazine, and they just morphed that into podcasts about 10 years ago. Um, and actually, I don't think the magazine still exists online, but really the, the, all of their energy is now focused towards podcasts and they do a lot of very successful podcasts but Stuff You Should Know is the leading podcast from that group. And there are also some podcasts you identified as rising stars. Yeah, um, there's a few that really kind of, you know, I mentioned Conan O'Brien uh, from sort of nowhere to a top 20 showing. Dak Shepard podcast, Armchair Expert with uh, Dak Shepard, has gone from about 100 to top number 6 on the chart this year. Um, Spittin' Chicklets, which is an interesting podcast. It's a hockey podcast and was 328 on the chart last year and again landed in the top 20 this year. Um, it's the number one sports podcast. It's a hockey podcast produced by Barstool Sports, an American company. So um, there's a challenge for Canadians who know about hockey, who do podcasts, that that shouldn't be the number one sports podcast, I don't think, in Canada. But <laughs> I'm biased. One of the questions, I think, especially that a lot of terrestrial radio broadcasters have, is where the share of ear time is coming from when it comes to podcasting. And, and you, have a, you have a theory on that. Yeah, well, we, you know, we ask people, and this is self-reported, so this is what they tell us in terms of where that listening comes from. The first question we ask is, has listening to podcasts affected the amount of time you spend with other media, or is it new time um, that you didn't spend with media before? And actually, almost 50-50, over 40% said that, no, it's, it's new time. And it makes sense. Your smartphone gives you new time to consume media. You've got the smartphone you take with you. Podcasts are a perfect way to kind of fill in gaps in your day where 
nothing's going on. You can go to a podcast, you can listen to it, you can start and stop at your pleasure. Um, so for a lot of those people, it is new time. Um, it's, it's just expanding the pie, much in the same way that music streaming services have expanded the pie to some extent of audio listening as well. Now, there's 56% who say it has replaced the media. Uh, and what's interesting, and audio is the number one, and, and, and of that, tw- 26% of podcast listeners say some of that listening has come from AM, FM radio. 22% say it's come from music, streaming music services or music that they've downloaded. 9% from audiobooks. But there's also a lot of people say it's coming from TV or other video, or it's coming from print, or it's coming from online news or social media. And that seems odd, I think, to a lot of people that, you know, how could podcasts replace print? did a focus group last year at the CMW, um, and one of the respondents, um, it was a millennial male, said, my Saturday morning habit used to be sitting down with the newspaper and just going through the newspaper and reading the long stories that were in the, the weekend newspaper, but now I use that time to listen to podcasts. It does the same thing for me. fulfills the same need state for him. So... It's not as simple as saying, okay, this is coming from audio and this is coming from radio. Certainly a bit of that is happening, but there's new time and then there's time that's coming from other media as well. What about monetization in Canada? Is that becoming more attainable? Yes. I, you know, it, it, The reality in Canada is that we are at least three years behind the U.S., part of that being just scale. In the U.S., an ecosystem developed around podcasting well in advance of what's happened in Canada. Um, you had a lot of uh, private companies, use the example of How Stuff Works being one of them, um, that really developed a foothold in terms of the media and also had sales operations that started to get the sales side going. And with the scale of having one podcast, you know, it may have a small audience, but a small audience across 350 million people is, you know, has a chance to get considerable reach. In Canada, that ecosystem has been slower to develop. Um, but there are pieces that are happening. One of them is the podcast exchange, which, full disclosure, TPX, the podcast exchange, is a title sponsor of Canadian Podcast Listener Study. They actually f- provide the main funding to make it possible. We have other subscribers as well, but they provide really the, the funding that helps to make the study possible. But what they're doing is they're aggregating podcast listening from multiple different publishers, including people who listen to U.S. podcasts that are carrying U.S. ads that, in some cases, uh, for products that aren't even available in Canada, Blue Apron, Stamps.com. If you listen to podcasts, you know those advertisers, but they, you can't get their products from Canada. So they're using digital ad insertion to insert Canadian ads into those podcasts that have a lot of audience, you know, in Canada. And they can even do host reads with them. You know, some of the larger podcasts, the host of the podcast in the U.S. will actually do a Canadian host read for that ad as well. And they're also, Chorus is one of their, uh, they represent the Chorus podcasts, so they, they do also sell for Chorus. But they have most of the major publishers of podcasts that are part of that sort of tent that they can aggregate and put together campaigns for advertisers. So that's really helped a lot, making podcasts easier to buy for advertisers and, and create a bit of an ecosystem. But the other thing, and, and the really cool thing that's happened in Canada is because that ecosystem took a long time to develop in Canada, broadcasters actually have a chance to get a stake in the ground much earlier than they were in the state in states. In, in the U.S., it's only really been the last couple of years that iHeart or Westwood One or some of the big broadcasters have really planted a stake in podcasting. 
But in Canada, in the last year, year and a half, Chorus, Bell, Rogers have all taken initiatives and in moving forward into podcasting. So, so that you know, means you've got the heft of those large companies also uh, with the sales force, with the content creators that they have inside them um, to really play a big role in the industry. Is the scalability there, though, here in Canada? I mean, you know, obviously Westwood One and, and iHeart, you know, have done very well with their podcasting segments. Is that possible here in Canada? I think it is. I mean, you know, it obviously, it, one of the things is that for Canadian podcast creators shouldn't just think about Canada. U.S. podcast creators don't necessarily just think of the U.S. That's why they have listening in Canada, they have listening in the U.K., listening in Australia. Um, there are podcasts that are quite successful outside of Canada. CBC, Someone Knows Something, very successful podcast in the U.S. Um, Canadian True Crime, actually one of the other rising stars from this year, this is a real Canadian success story. Um, Christy Lee is, produces as independently. The show is called Canadian True Crime. But it actually has a good audience outside of Canada because true crime stories doesn't really necessarily tie to your place of where you are. So I think that's you know part of the opportunity for Canadian creators and podcasters is to look at telling their stories that may relate to Canadians but also have relevance um, outside of Canada as well. Uh, and if you start thinking that way, then suddenly you do have scale. Then you get wrapped not just by TPX in Canada to reach Canadian podcast listeners, but you also have a chance to get rep by mid-roll and some of the other big rep houses in the U.S. and other places as well. So we're here at OAB, and, and we just heard a presentation from Duncan Stewart from Deloitte, who referred to podcasting as a small business. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, he, he identified, I thought that was interesting, he identified both podcasting and esports mm-hmm. um, as small businesses. And, and you know, he's right, relative to how many billions of dollars are spent on legacy media and the television, radio, print still, um, outdoor, whatever. It's still a very small piece. But, and I think it's true of esports as well, but podcasts, that revenue growth is getting to the point where you can see very clearly within a few years it will become something more than a small business. It will become more and more of, of a mainline audio alternative. I mean, this is on-demand audio. And one of the only places you can reach on-demand consumers with advertising. You can't reach an on-demand consumer who's watching Netflix. Advertisers aren't allowed. Um, you can't reach an on-demand music consumer who's listening to Spotify uh, ad-free. You can't reach an on-demand listener to audiobooks, but you can with podcasts. So that's actually going to create, I think, a lot of energy around podcasting, and, and, and particularly as podcast listening grows. So what are we talking about in terms of year-over-year growth and, and what those dollar figures are? So in the U.S., um, and it depends on who's doing the prediction, um, the prediction will be about $1 billion in advertising revenue going to podcasting in either 2020, 2021, or 2022, somewhere in that range. Um, we're right now, I think, somewhere in the, around half, half a billion, about $600 million. It was about $100 million in 2015. So that's the kind of growth there's been in revenue in the U.S. Now, again, Canada is behind on that, but the potential is there as well. I mean, in Canada right now, just looking at radio revenue alone, and there's other audio revenue uh, too, but radio revenue is $1.5 billion in Canada. From other study that we do, Radio on the Move, we see that podcast 
listening represents about a four share of all audio that's listened to. So if you take that four share, and if, it, you, if you say that time spent should equal money spent, um, then that means there's a potential for $60 million in, in podcast ad revenue in Canada in probably relatively short term. Now, in reality, are we anywhere near that now? We're just scratching the surface of that. So the potential for growth, you know, that kind of exponential growth that we've seen in revenue in the U.S., I think is about ready to, to take off in Canada as well. So, so what's scratching the surface here in Canada in terms of revenue last year? Nobody really knows because there's no studies done. In the U.S., they do it. The IAB and, and Pricewaterhouse do a study of the publishers in the U.S. and they do generate estimates based on that. So that's where, you know, the estimate of there being about half a billion dollars now and, and look at the trajectory of going to a billion dollars um, in a couple or three years comes from. Nobody really knows for sure. Maybe, and this is, you know, and, and, and I, I, I hate to make a guess. I would say, though, it's somewhere probably in the range of three to maybe 10 million at the most. That's a pretty big range, but I, I think I'm safe somewhere in there. If you're an independent Canadian podcaster, what's your best hope for making a living at podcasting? You know, it, it, I, I won't pretend it's going to be easy. Even you've got 770,000 podcasts out there somehow. Um, you've got to make your podcast stand out among that to be able to get into that upper ring um, if you want to have a large audience. Um, that's not easy. Christy Lee, who does uh, Canadian True Crime, her day job is a marketer. So she really understood how to effectively market her podcast. And it's, you know, and, and it's using a lot of different things that she does to do it. A lot of tricks and tips there that, that she's been able to apply. To. And she also turns out really high-quality content as well. So you know, it's, it's, it requires total commitment. It's not easy. It's very difficult. Now, there are different paths that you can take, though. You don't necessarily have to be Joe Rogan um, or How Stuff Works to be successful. You don't have to have that big audience. Sometimes it's having the right audience, and even if the numbers are small. Um, you know, there are, if you think of hobbies or interests, think of vertical categories where there might be a client that wants to work with you because you're reaching the right target. There, there are a couple dozen knitting podcasts out there. Well, if you were doing a knitting podcast, even if you only had a thousand downloads an episode, which is a very small podcast, well, you know, a knitting needle manufacturer might say, you know what, I'm going to pay you a really high cost per thousand for them because it's so hard for me to find and advertise any other way to reach people who want to buy knitting needles. Or you can take another way, which is wealth management. Um, if you have a small audience of people who have high investment dollars and you're able to have those people listen to that podcast, well, you know, again, the value of that uh, that audience is, is huge. And if you're giving them investment advice, um, it doesn't even have to connect the sponsor directly. It's just the fact that those people are that deeply engaged with the medium um, and with the podcast that that advertising is going to really punch so far above its weight relative to other kinds of advertising they might do. You mentioned value, and I think value is a, a good topic here because in some respects, podcast advertising has been undervalued. I think it has. I mean, it, the thing to think about with podcasting, again, this is an on-demand 
medium. It's a very different medium from radio in general. Um, this is your choosing that one podcast out of 770,000 that you're going to give your time to. That's something that you've made a personal choice for, something that you're leaning in to listen to. You're deeply engaged in that podcast. It's not sort of the choice of what's the best show that's on TV right now or what's the best song in the radio. No, this is something that you've actually personally chosen. So it's a deeply engaged audience. Um, and, and they will put sponsors that, that help to make their podcast possible. 25% of those power listeners who listen at least five hours a week say that they actually make a point to go out and support brands that support their favorite podcasts. Even monthly podcast listeners at 17%. So podcast listeners are happy to hear a couple of extra ads in a podcast if it helps to mean that their podcast, their favorite podcast can continue. So those kind of opportunities, you don't see that kind of support for anything outside of you know ethnic media gay media christian media where people will do the same thing they'll say hey there's somebody who is supporting what i believe in and i will support them as well is there anything else you want to touch on jeff I, I mean, just, I guess, you know, stay tuned for next year. Um, Canadian Podcast Listener 2020 is already um, in the planning stages, so I look forward to seeing how it's changing, because it is changing all the time. This is a whole new white space, a whole new medium, and, and there's lots of kind of interesting, exciting things to explore as we move forward. Are you going to expand the survey's parameters? Um, actually, it's good that you bring up that point. We're really looking at the Canadian podcast listener as being something more than just a survey that's done once a year, but it's something that really provides a bit of an information hub for the podcast industry as the podcast industry develops just to support that industry because it, nobody knows much about what people are listening to, who's listening, why they're listening, how they're listening. So there's other ways to, to get a sense of working with TPX, which is who's our partner on this. There's opportunities to tap into understanding when they're putting together campaigns, what's being effective for them to be able to take that learning and share that with our subscribers as well. We have a client advisory council um, of subscribers to the study who we get together a couple times a year and don't just talk about the survey, but talk about what kind of measurement does podcasting need to move to the next step? And, and on that um, client advisory council, there are publishers and there are agencies as well. We have you know, three major agencies that are subscribers to the study. Canadian Heritage is there, um, as well as the, the main podcast publishers in Canada. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.